0: Welcome to The Cloakroom, a forum for insider analysis on politics and policy from the CQ Roll Call newsroom in Washington, DC. I'm David Ellis, the Chief Content Officer of CQ Roll Call, and today's topic is one that's near and dear to all who work on Capitol Hill, staff salaries. Now there are many sacrifices people make to toil at the seat of legislative power in Washington, long hours, not much glory, and occasionally a terrible boss. Now you can add another downside to the list, shrinking salaries. A 2014 government study showed that pay for most staff had fallen or remained constant since 2010. In real dollars, median salaries dropped 20.5% for staff councils and nearly 13% for legislative assistance. Just to put that in perspective, staff assistants average around $35,000 a year, and chief of staff, sort of top of the legislative staff tree, about 144000 a year. Simply put, even in a low inflation environment, working for Congress costs you money. The dollar a Hill staffer earns in 2016 is worth 91 cents on the dollar she earned in 2010, the last time offices' allowances were given a boost in the House. Now, given that Hill staff can earn 40% or more simply by moving to the private sector, will this informal pay freeze trigger a brain drain on the Hill? With me to explore this issue are Phyllis Jordan, Congressional Editor of Roll Call, and reporters Rima Rahman and Sean McMinn. Welcome. Now, the money for these uh, staff uh, salaries comes out of an allowance that every member is given to cover office expenses, which includes travel, printing, and mailing. So under a proposed increase, lawmakers' uh, accounts would be $1.27 million, which is almost the same amount it was in 2005. So, Phyllis, Roll Call's first story on pay rises showed how a married couple abandoned their congressional staff jobs due to this squeeze.
1: Right. Uh, Nathan Leamer and his wife Amanda moved here to work on Capitol Hill, and they loved it. But they were making like $40,000 as a staff assistant, $50,000 as a press secretary. Then they had a baby. They made it work because they got his sister to come and uh, babysit for them. Then they had a second baby and they had to abandon their jobs on Capitol Hill. They loved the work they were doing. So many people come here from all across the country to work for all these members and yet, you know, they can't make ends meet.
0: So how do they make ends meet?
1: Well, for the young single ones, they double up, triple up, sometimes have five people living in a house. Uh, When it's time for dinner, they go to the expensive receptions that lobbyists put on and eat the food they find there. Uh, They find ways to save money, and they do it for as long as they can. At some point, though, they find they get to a point in their life where they realize they need a job that pays them more.
0: That's interesting because so much in in work life is whether you're happy and fulfilled in the job. Uh, And here are these people actually leaving jobs uh, they like. Rima, I think some staffers have a sense that they're victims of the unpopularity of Congress in general.
2: Correct. Uh, What lawmakers have done in the past few years is try to make an example out of themselves and say, hey, look at us, we're cutting our own budget. Um, But that has now left staffers sort of feeling like they're the collateral damage of how unpopular Congress is. Um, Brad Fitch, who leads the Congressional Management Foundation, said if that type of cut was made to any other federal agency like the Department of Defense or Veteran Affairs, he said people would be screaming in the street. Yet Congress has taken action to sort of cut its own staff to try to make an example out of them, and that's left people really frustrated because they can leave Congress, walk down a couple blocks, and triple the amount of money that they make.
0: Yes, you know, that's interesting because anybody who's been in Washington long enough knows that when the Department of Defense wants to protect its budget, they begin to talk about how the soldiers won't be making enough money to pay or their families, which are sacrificing, are, are going to suffer even more and also equipment. So that's a very that seems like that uh, congressional staffers don't have that lobbying button they can press.
2: Right. I mean, the lobbying button that the, the people who would lobby for them are their members. That's who their bosses, And if their bosses you know, in the majority and voting to cut his own budget, then that boss is choosing to not essentially pay his employees as much as they could be paid.
0: Now, you you looked at the the numbers on the the allowance, which we should note that at the time we're speaking is not law and is probably not likely to be law uh, even throughout the rest of the summer. Is that correct?
3: Right. So we're waiting on how they're going to uh, actually appropriate the money to the legislative branch at this point. Yeah.
0: So there's a proposal, and the roll call study showed that even if the amount of increased staff allowances went directly to staff pay, Rima, it would mean that staffers would get about 1000 more. But that's highly unlikely, isn't it?
2: It is highly unlikely because it involves a lawmaker using um, the entire amount of extra money that would be in the account, which is about $18,000, Um, to be spread evenly among a staff of 18 people, which is the most number of people that a single member can hire in the House.
0: Now, Sean, that's not to say that staffers are completely shut out. Over the past few years, there have been, there is discretionary uh, pay rises. And you've discovered, through a lot of hard work, that there's possibly a party pay gap, right?
3: Right. So what we looked at was how much uh, an individual member was spending per day on personnel compensation because we wanted to make sure we were adjusting for members who haven't been here the whole time. And there's a few of them this Congress. Uh, And what we found that is that Democrats are more likely to spend more each day on their staff than Republicans are, about 7 percent more. Uh, And to kind of underscore that point. The highest-paying member, the one who spends the most on staff per day, is a Democrat from Illinois, Danny Davis. The lowest-paying member who spends least on staff per day is a Republican from Iowa. It was in his first term, uh, Rod Blum.
0: Well, that's interesting. You know, I just was – when you were outlining that, I realized that you have – Given the Democratic offices a recruiting tool, <laughs> and the Republican lawmakers a, uh, a campaign tool,
3: <laughs> you know it's not necessarily um, true that they're spending more per individual staff. Though that's important to know, individual staffer they could be just hiring more staff for their office and therefore spending more on them. Um, But something I did hear from a few different Democratic members I talked to was that they have been in office so long that there's these staffers who've stayed with them the whole time and have been getting raises uh, year after year, even though they're not necessarily appropriating more money for these raises, the members have felt like they needed to give them those raises because they've showed the loyalty and they'd stayed in that same office. Now,
0: talk about lo- loyalty versus uh, compensation. Phyllis R- Rima earlier mentioned how you can instantly raise your compensation. I think we had the the, the gentleman we featured in the story got a twenty five percent pay. Rise. He had a
1: twenty five percent pay increase. And the reality is, especially if you've worked on a bill that's uh, popular with lobbyists, of like the health care bill or a tax bill. The lobbying firms want you for your expertise and your connections. The consequence of this for Congress is that you have a lot of turnover. You lose a lot of expertise walking out the door every day. So when it comes time to draft a bill or figure out what's going on with a bill, who do you turn to? You rely more and more on lobbyists, and the lobbyists are, you know, they're working for somebody. They're not working for the American people necessarily.
0: Yes, and so you're talking about People who reach these signal moments, a second child or n- need to pay for a mortgage, and they can raise, get a pay rise of 40 percent, 50 percent almost instantly. Uh, Sean and Rima, one of the things we had with doing this story was the uh, difficulty in accessing information. The Congress is not subject to the Freedom of Information Act. so. Sean, can you tell me what you discovered and how you discovered it, the actual mechanics of getting this information?
3: Yeah, so that's right. They're not subject to FOIA. So the information that they do post is voluntary, which we should give them credit for as they are putting this information out there. Um, Unfortunately, it's incredibly difficult to actually glean uh, meaningful insights out of it, even for a data nerd like myself. Um, So the House, up until just this past quarter, had been publishing everything in straight PDFs. Um, which you can't really go through and get the information from to do these kind of analyses on. And the Senate still does that. They haven't changed. Fortunately, uh, the good folks over at the Sunlight Foundation have spent a long time working on a tool, an algorithm that scrapes these PDFs and then puts them into an Excel document that you or me can go in and start looking at those numbers. Um, But even once you do that, you have to look at how they categorize things, which isn't consistent from office to office. Um, You have to count up all the subtotals they put in there. So it's really not in any kind of Friendly format. Uh, Part of the second story, what we're going to be releasing, is a list of the members and how much they spend per day on their staff. So we'll actually be able to put that out there and people can go look at it on their own.
0: So when it comes to transparency, it looks like Congress is offering a window on its workings, but the windows are rather dirty or something like that. So um, the message is uh, unfortunately, for those of, uh, of you out there who are working, On the Hill, I think for more pay, it's head to the revolving door to K Street again. Um, But in the meantime, if you have any more stories about life and work on the Hill and salaries, please contact Sean McMinn and Rima Rahman here at Roll Call. Thank you to Phyllis, Sean, and Rima. My name's David Ellis. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, and you can find all our podcasts at rollcall.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for joining us.